You're listening to The Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tide or Insider TV. Crimson Tide kickoff. Play-by-play for Alabama sports and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for The Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Good morning, everybody, and welcome into the Gary Harris Show for this Monday, January 8, 2024. I'm your host, Gary Harris. It's National Championship Monday tonight. It's uh, Washington versus Michigan for the College Football Playoff National Championship in Houston, Texas. We'll be talking about that. i got Justin Jones right there on the other side of the glass, manning the controls, taking your phone calls on the First Domain Condominiums hotline in the first hour, the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline in hour number two, and he is ready to rock and roll with us this morning, as we hope you are as well, because we got a good show, always a good show on Monday coming out of the weekend. So much National Football League to discuss. It's Black Monday. The coaches have already started uh, uh, losing their jobs, general managers. Uh, we'll get into that and get into how wacky uh, the NFL was this year. I mean, uh, you know, some teams that look like they were locks to win their division just a few weeks ago, uh, three of them really, Justin, two of them quarterback by former Alabama guys, the Dolphins and the Eagles about six weeks ago, uh, both of them look like they were locks to win their division. Neither one of those teams <laughs> won their division. Both are wild cards and both will travel this weekend, the Dolphins will have to wind up going to uh, to Kansas City, and it's going to be brutally cold, the forecast is. That's not going to suit well. And Philadelphia will have to travel to Tampa. At least it'll be warm. Another team, uh, and of course, they got Alabama connection, too, with Calvin Ridley. Uh, the Jags are another team. They're like they were a lot to win the division just a few weeks ago. They don't win the division. D'Amico Ryans and Houston Texans. Uh, before we get to the lineup and Alabama spot, uh, Credit Union, jump in here a second, because I know you're a big NFL fan, too. Um and of course, we follow the you know the former Alabama guys closely, particularly the quarterbacks. Biggest disappointment down the stretch: the Eagles or the Dolphins are just even with you. What you know? Um, I th- I think the Eagles. I know they didn't play a whole lot very well um, against the Giants yesterday, but their struggles against these good teams. It seems like ever since they played the Forty ers and just got absolutely demolished that they're kind of a shell of themselves, and that's worrying going into the oh, postseason. I don't think they're playing well at all, but I would say it's the Dolphins because that's been the Dolphins knocked the entire season. I mean, their they're, they're record against teams above 500, you take out the win against Cowboys, and I don't think they've got one. And I, um, I think the only difference to me is that the Eagles were in the Super Bowl last year and the Dolphins weren't, I, especially because the Dolphins, the way they've battled injury. Um, but that the Chiefs in the cold, like you said, that's going to be tough. Oh, that's going to be tough. I mean, I, I don't, I don't see. I, I think now, yeah, I'm not totally disagreeing with your take. I think though the Eagles have a much better chance to win because they're playing the Bucks and the Dolphins are going to play the Chiefs. Even though the Chiefs aren't what they've been, they're still the Chiefs. It's still going to be really cold. The only reason I say the Dolphins is <clears throat> because the one thing about the Eagles, they always had the Cowboys pushing them. You know what I mean? They had a really good team. Not that the Bills aren't a good team, but the Bills were six and six. The Bills were six and six, and and the Eagles are playing terrible right now. No other way around it. But let's be honest: what cost the Dolphins when it was all said and done? It's just an inexplicable Monday night loss to the Tennessee Titans. When it's all said and done, it wasn't losing to the good teams, and it wasn't even losing to the Bills last night. It was losing to the Tennessee Titans 
at home. And the Titans were playing horrible at the time. They're not a good team. But regardless, it, it's disappointing. Last year, it was Tennessee. Remember last year, about 10 games in, Tennessee had like a five-game lead in their division. They wound up getting caught by the Jags. Well, they got a little payback yesterday because <laughs> they knocked the Jags out. And the Steelers were sure happy about it as well. Oh, it got the Steelers in. And, you know, again, I, I tell you this. I think if you listen to the show a little bit, you know I'm a Mike Tomlin fan. I, I can't help it. I'm sorry. When people start dogging out Mike Tomlin, I'm like, Look at the record. Do you know how hard it is to coach as long as he's coached and never have a losing record in your career? Come on, man. That dude could coach. And to bring that team back, flawed as they may be, you're talking about injuries. When you don't have your quarterback in the NFL, that's the biggest injury you can have. And, you know, they've come back and, 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 and there's been a renaissance for Mason Rudolph and Najee Harris is running it like a demon. Speaking of running it like a demon, if that was Derrick Henry's last game as a Titan yesterday, way to go out, 150 plus yards, touchdown. Um, but yesterday was just, it was great theater because, again, you've got, um, you know, going into Saturday, you've got the Tennessee, I mean, the uh, uh, Houston Texans, they won the division. They won the division and wound up getting a home playoff game. And that's just crazy. When you look at the Eagles, who I think at one time, what were they, 10-1? and 1? I want to say they were like 10-1. and 1. And now they're a wild card team. And the Dolphins, like I said, had like a four-game lead on a 6-6 six and six Buffalo team. But you know what happened was Buffalo... I just quit losing. They did finally play like, now I'll tell you this. Now you go into the, you know, listen, the Ravens look really, really good. But Buffalo now goes into the playoffs as the team that most people thought they were going into the season. They're scary. They're scary. And it's despite Josh Allen's turnover problem. Oh, he's got I plenty think of he turnover leads problems. The league almost in interceptions. He's got plenty of turnover problems. But the NFL. Gary, the, the script writers, if you will, could not have done this better. The amount of storylines in all of these wild card games. Browns versus Texans. I mean, you have... Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you have that. Tyree Kill returned to Kansas City. Uh, the Packers and Cowboys, you have the head coach who won the Super Bowl yeah. with the, McCarthy with the Packers. Absolutely. All um, kinds of storylines. Man, I mean, Rams-Lions, that's a great one. And like Matthew you said, Stafford. you got the two teams that were in the Super Bowl last year struggling going into the postseason, although Kansas City does have a home game. Uh, we're in a weak division, you know, record-wise. So, and, the, and the Eagles have to travel. But if you're going to have to travel, listen, man, the Tampa Bay Bucks didn't score a touchdown yesterday against the Panthers. They won the game. And speaking of poor Bryce Young and that team, I mean, it just, I watched some of that game, most of that game. You talk about what epitomizes the Panthers' year. He doesn't have an opportunity to make many plays, but he made a great play when he should have been sacked. It was kind of like the Texas game last year for Alabama. Got out of it, hit uh, uh, DJ Chart, and Chart gets the ball knocked out and went into the end zone. And then later, they run a beautiful run play for a touchdown, and the wide receiver, another wide receiver, not, did not line up on the line of scrimmage, and they had a, a, a you know had a penalty on that. They didn't score. You know they didn't score the last two weeks, so you hope for next year for Bryce. And then and the and then C.J. Stroud on the other hand, Saturday nights, did you watch him light it up again? Wow, this Texans team. Listen, man, I know the Browns took care of them in the regular season uh, because Stroud didn't play in that game. Remember, and that's the game Amari Cooper went for you know record day. But in Houston, with Stroud back, watch out, Browns. Who was the quarterback, can you remember, when they played? Because it wasn't Joe Flacco at the time, right, for the Browns? It was. Oh, it was? Yeah, because okay. Flacco hit Cooper, remember, for that record-setting day. Yeah. Uh, 
But that's going to be yeah. And and listen, the Lions, you know, they took care of their business. Obviously, the 49ers are the favorite in the NFC. Dallas looks good. Uh, Lions look good in the AFC. The Ravens are the are the are the clear favorite. I, I you know I know the Bills are playing well. Um, but, you know, watching the Eagles, uh, and we're going to get to the, the sponsorship and the rundown here in just a second, but I, I had enjoyed the NFL football over the weekend, if you can't tell. Watching the Eagles, um, yeah, I, I, I think they've got a shot to win a game because, again, I don't think Tampa Bay is very good. But the Eagles are playing horribly. They, I mean, they have just – it isn't just Jalen Hurts. It's the whole team. Yesterday, of course, he got hurt on the play. You know, they're, they hit A.J. Brown on a slant. And there were, and he just fumbles the football, you know, and uh, and ju- and you know, Jalen, you can tell he has never gotten over that knee. And now, yesterday, did you see his finger? It it looked dislocated, and they had to take him out. Yeah, it looked gnarly. Yeah, uh, I mean, it was one of those deals on his throwing like, hand too. Before, yeah, he took it. He looked deformed, and he's not playing well. Their team's not playing well. And then last night, I was very, very disappointed in the Dolphins because. Um, they still had a chance to win that division. And you're at your you're at home, as you said. The Bills were a turnover machine in that first half. Allen was, and then they got stopped at the one yard line at halftime. And you're up fourteen to seven, and you give up a ninety five yard punt return. It turned the game around because once the Bills got even, again, and and the Dolphins didn't have Waddle, but once they got even, Tua wasn't playing well. Let's just tell it like it is. You know, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't, he did not have a good game. And, and as, as far as Josh Allen is with those turnovers, he is still a monster. He's a beast. At the quarterback he's position. a, he's a beast. He is a, physically, he is a, and listen, the only reason I'm making this comparison is physically. Because that's the, you know, this guy had nothing, none of the traits that, that Allen had. But physically, he's like Carson Wentz. You know, Carson Wentz was huge. I mean, it's like 6'6", 235 pounds. That's Josh Allen, plus Josh Allen's good. I mean, Carson Wentz looked like Josh Allen against the uh, 49ers yesterday. I mean, that's crazy to see. I guess you're right there. But, you know, uh, well, yeah, in that scenario, he did. (laughs) They don't want to have to go to him in the playoffs. But, no, Carson Wentz is a physical. That's what I'm saying. He's a physical specimen, as is Josh Allen. But I love the NFL. Uh, Listen, I don't think the game, and now I'm telling you how much I love the NFL. And now I'm going to say something a lot of people are going to, gonna laugh at the game it's entertaining there's athletic phenoms everywhere there's a lot of playmaking the quality of the game is not what it was 30 years ago it's not man look at the number of pre-snap penalties i mean look at the number of times guys don't line up correctly i mean illegal motion is everywhere uh fundamentally the game's not as good and i still think you could take a team like the 85 bears and let them play the Chiefs for the, the the most recent Super Bowl champion with both teams in their prime. You can't do this, but, you know, it's my, my feeling. You take the 85 Bears, you take one of those New York Giants teams of the 80s or one of those 49er teams of the 80s or one of those Steelers teams of the 70s or Cowboys teams of the 70s, and you line them up against the Chiefs, last year's Super Bowl champion, and I think those teams would wipe the floor with with that. And, 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 and I know people are, oh, no way. I'm just telling you, man, first of all, Patrick Mahomes playing the 85 Bears wouldn't get out of the first quarter. They would, they would, they would put him out. And I mean, I just that doesn't mean I don't enjoy the game today. It doesn't mean these guys aren't bigger, faster, and more athletic. But, but the way that the game was played in those days, the the it just to me, it was a more fundamentally sound game. But I enjoy the NFL now. 
Don't get me wrong. And, you know, Justin, Dan Campbell, uh, I mean, you have to love the guy. <clears throat> you know, I got so the week before last, I got so ticked off about the the officiating in that game. But I guess Dan Campbell would have just gone for it every time. I guess they could have had four or five straight penalties and been fourth and goal. For, I mean, uh, two-point conversion from the 25-yard line, he'd still go for it. I mean, he just goes for it. But anyway, quick notes on the coaches. Uh, Ron Rivera out in Washington, Arthur Smith out in Atlanta. There's probably going to be more changes to come, and uh, we'll keep you abreast of it. Hey, let me go ahead, uh, Justin, and do the Alabama Credit Union. This hour being brought to you by Alabama Credit Union, member-owned and not-for-profit. It's just a better way of banking. Uh, Become a member today, and I encourage you to do so. You'll absolutely be glad you did. I'm a member. It's a terrific financial organization. Alabama Credit Union, loans for a life. Some rules and restrictions do apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. And put a little extra change in your pocket. All right, Rodney Ward coming up from TylerInsider.com at 9.30. Casey Smith on golf at 10.30. Your phone calls on the first Domain Condominiums hotline at 205-342-9904. We'll come back and get Tom on the show. We'll take a break, and we'll be back right after this. This season of Alabama football on Tide 100.9 brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse Casino. Just a few minutes away where you can be a winner, too. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama sports, and it's brought to you by Dex Imaging, the official copier and printer provider for Alabama athletics. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. On Saturday, Alabama men's basketball started its SEC schedule with a 78-75 win at Vanderbilt. Head coach Nate Oates met with the media after the win. Yeah, I mean, road wins are not easy in the SEC, so we'll take them. Obviously, it was not one of our better performances as a road win to start out conference play. You know, we did a really good job building the 18-point lead there. Thought we did a great job. We went on that run. Then Stack called the timeout, and they came out. Went on a 9-2 run. We got to do a better job knowing the other team's calling timeouts, going to run. And then we got to do – we talked about starts to games, closes to half, start to second half, close the game. I didn't think we did a great job closing either half. You know, we didn't score in almost five, the last five minutes of the first half. And then the second half, we've got a lead and, and almost gave it up. So we, we got to do a better job figuring out a closing group, close to the half, close to the game. And we, we got to guard better. But I'll have more in a moment. You know, in today's world, companies are looking for business partners, other companies they can depend on to help make their business successful. At the Crimson Tide Sports Network, we have found that partner in Dex Imaging. So when it comes to office solutions and a partner you can depend on, give Dex Imaging a call. For more information, go to DexImaging.com. Dex Imaging, the official copier and printer provider of Alabama Athletics. Join us tonight for Hey Coach, presented by Alpha Insurance at 6 p.m. Central at Baumhauer's Victory Grill in Tuscaloosa. Crimson Tide Today is brought to you by Dex Imaging. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Network from Learfield. Hey, Jim. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Becoming mostly cloudy today, a chance of rain this afternoon, the high 53. Very windy tonight with widespread rain. Winds could gust as high as 45 miles per hour, the low tonight 44. Tomorrow, windy, rain ending during the morning, the high 58. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 44 degrees in Tuscaloosa. 
You see him on WVUA 23 covering sports and on Tider Insider TV on Tuesday nights. Don't miss a minute of The Gary Harris Show. Weekdays from 9 to 11 on Tide 100.9. All right, 921, and I did not forget about Alabama basketball. I just uh, wanted to lead off with NFL because, and and go ahead uh, real quickly and set the schedule for you for this coming weekend. Uh, Cleveland is at Houston on Saturday. That is a, it's either 3.30 or 2.30. I'm trying to check if this is, if these times are Eastern or, or Central. See if you can find out for sure. Cause on the, the one I'm at, it just gives the time. It does not give, uh, whether it's Central or Eastern. I imagine it's 3.30 Central. Yeah. And seven o'clock, it'd be seven o'clock Central. So Cleveland at Houston, 3.30 Central on NBC. And this is, this is where you get. This is what, you know, I can't stand. Miami at Kansas City is 7 o'clock on Peacock. That's stream, right? That's not even over-the-air TV. Gosh, that makes me so mad. And then on Sunday, you've got uh, Pittsburgh at Buffalo. That's a noon game on CBS. Green Bay at Dallas is the 3.30 game on Fox. And then Los Angeles at Detroit is the 7 o'clock game on NBC. And then Monday night, yep, you got a Monday night. Wild card, super wild card weekend game, Philadelphia at Tampa Bay at 7.15. All right, uh, we'll get to Alabama basketball in a little bit. The Tide gets the win at Vanderbilt, but they had an 18-point lead, lead. In fact, they had 33 points with 10 minutes to go in the first half, and I think they finished with like 40 in that half. I mean, they they had they looked great for a while, but they had some spells. Then I think they were up 11, maybe with about three to go, and they hung on for dear life to win the game. So um, not to me. You can say what you want about how hard it is to play at Vanderbilt and all this. Uh, some of the games Vanderbilt's lost at home this year, you could argue that it's not. And I, I was not impressed. I'm glad Alabama got a win, but um, I didn't think they played real well. All right, let's jump out on the first of McConnell's hotline and talk to Tom. Good morning, Tom. Well, I want to say one thing about the basketball team. The, the basketball team, basketball IQ is not very good, so I'm dropping it right there. And uh, But I, I wanted to call in. To me, I think y'all missed the story of the NFL uh, this morning when you were talking, and I I called in to bring this up. Detroit Lions is the story of the NFL this year to me. Twelve freaking wins. Uh, yeah, they're one of the great stories of the league, no doubt about it. You know, won, won the division for the first time, but there's some really other good stories. I mean, obviously the Houston Texans were not expected to win maybe over three or four games, and they won their division. So the Lions, the Texans um, probably headline the stories. The Cleveland Browns are a good story. Uh, there's some really good stories, but yeah, there's no doubt that Detroit, but I think, you know, the difference between what Houston did and what Detroit did was Detroit was supposed to be good. You know, they were a lot of people picked them to win the division going in. Everybody knew they had a good team. Uh, the way they finished the year last year, and and with what they had coming back, I think they were expected to uh, to uh, to be really, really good. And you know, nobody expected anything out of Houston. Nothing. Well, yeah, I, I agree with you. Now, I don't want to take anything away from the Texans, and uh, because that that's a great story too. But it's been so long since Detroit did anything. You know what I mean? And uh, 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 for them to come up, and, and regardless of what the prediction was, as crazy as this year was in NFL, they uh, persevered and came out with 12 wins, which is phenomenal. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you at all. But I was glad to see D'Amico make playoffs. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, what a great story. I put a you know post out on Facebook about him. Uh, and I think Adam, Adam, uh, what's his name comes on Friday? Adam Amin. Yeah. Him saying that D'Amico's coach of the year, it's no doubt in my mind now. Yeah, me, me either. I think with him winning Saturday night and winning the division, that puts him over the top. Stefanski at Cleveland's done a good job. Dan Campbell, who you've talked about, has done a good job. Um, you know, I think the guy with the Rams has done a nice job. Um, but, I mean, nobody I, – I didn't I, – I never read anybody preseason that gave uh, Houston – any kind of chance of making the play. Well, because there wasn't anybody that did. I mean, they were supposed to be, listen, they were supposed to be uh, with a rookie head coach and a rookie quarterback. And, you know, people thought, man, if they win four or five games, they'll be doing well. And to win the division, yeah, it's been phenomenal. Don't get mad at me when I say this, because I love Bryce Young. Don't get me wrong. I love him to death. But I always felt like CJ was the best quarterback in the draft. Uh, coming out of Ohio State, I, I really did, and uh, and he proved it. Well, nobody's going to get mad at you, and and I'm not even saying that you're wrong. I will say this: Bryce Young was in such a tough spot this year; it's hard to gauge him. He sure was, and you're right. uh, it's it's hard it's hard to gauge him. It's like yesterday. You know, they had uh, a touchdown come off the board because the wide receiver couldn't line up correctly. And then they had another play that would have been at least first and goal at the one, if not a touchdown, and, and the guy gets the ball knocked out. So they got beat nine to nothing. That's 14 points right there. So uh, he was on a really bad team with a porous offensive line, not many playmakers at receiver. His best receiver is Adam Thielen, who's 34 years old, which, as you know, by NFL terms, is really, really old. So um, thank you. Yeah, but but I agree. But yeah, but Stroud was phenomenal. I mean, there's no and there's really no ands and fours buts about it. C.J. Stroud has been incredible this year. So anyway, well, you know, Gary, we talked about this in, in the past. That game that uh, he played in the Rose Bowl with Ohio State a couple years ago. That's when I saw. I said, "My God, this kid right here is for real," and uh, such an outstanding person too. It's, it's always good to see somebody like him succeed, kind of like Bryce. Yeah, man. All right, Tom. Okay, Gary. See you. Thanks. Appreciate it. All right, let's get to Ellis uh, here on the First Domain Condos Hotline. Good morning, Ellis. How you doing there, Gary Harry? Hey, buddy. Doing well. How are you? Uh, just fine. I, I was at that basketball game. Yeah, I know you were going. So what did you think about it? Ooh, Lord. It was, uh, it was, we need to do better. Missed a lot of free throws. Um, this, I don't know. That place is cra- That place is weird, though, to play. Yeah, I've it's different. It's, it's, it's different. Like I said, I like it. I, I enjoy Was that your first time to go there? It's not your first time, is it? I've <laughs> seen them once. I've seen them play uh, Alabama once before. Yeah. But it's been a long time well, there ago. There were a lot of Alabama fans there, weren't there, Ellis? Yes, they was. They was a lot. I, I was surrounded by Alabama fans. So that was good. And, I could have and, and hollered at Nate Oates and he had heard me. Yeah. Well, that was good. There were a lot of Bama fans there. It's good that they won. It's just disappointing that they didn't. You know, even after the they jumped out 18 in the first half and Vandy cut it back <clears throat> to uh, whatever it was, six at half, and then Vandy hung around. But they, I know Bama went up 11. I want to say, what was it? Oh, just three or four minutes to go in the game. They're up 11, and then they have to hang on for yeah. dear life. You know, that was kind of disappointing. 
Well, it, well, it was disappointing, like you said, uh, the first half. They was up, uh, well, what would you say, 18? Yeah, it was up 18. You know, they went up 18 thought, in the first well, half. It was 33-15, to 15, I think. Yes, it was. You thought, you know, they're going, they're fixing to run away with this. And then, you know, they let them cut. That number five for Vanderbilt. He's a good player. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I give Vandy credit. They played better than probably they've played all year. You know, they got into conference play at home, and they and they, they bowed up and played well. And Alabama won the game. So I don't want to dismiss, you know, the, the, the goal is to win the game. And when you went on the road in the SEC, you never have to apologize. But I'm going to tell you this. If they don't, and this has been an issue for this team all year, the defense down the stretch was awful. I mean, it was awful. They didn't – they just didn't um, – they didn't cut the ball off. They just they gave up wide open threes. They let guys get to the basket for layups. Very fortunate yeah. that, that they didn't have you know that the, the time ran out because the way Vanderbilt was scoring there at the end, there'd been another minute to go. I think they'd have won the game. I, I was very disappointed in the defense down the stretch. Uh, the big uh, the big white uh, the big white guy uh, for Vanderbilt, real big and tall. He uh, he's shooting the three pointers. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean. But uh, Bama won the game, Ellis. Uh, you know, end of the day, that's um, you know, that's that's the bottom line. At the end of the day, you're 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 um, you're trying to win, and they won, and now they get to come home and play quick turnaround. In fact, play tomorrow night um, at six o'clock against South Carolina. I keep on forgetting how to say his last name. Is it Sears or Spears? What for Alabama? Yeah, Mark Sears. Yeah, like that's my, I, I just love to watch him play. Yeah, he's leads the SEC in scoring. He's good. So, hey, Alice, great call, man. Glad they got a win for you there in Nashville. I got to get to the break. We'll talk to you soon. All right, roll tide. Thank you. All right, we'll take a break. Come back with Rodney Orr from TiderInsider.com, TiderInsider TV, talk transfer portal, NFL draft, Alabama football, national championship tonight, and more with Mr. Tider Insider next. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. It's time for Mr. Tider Insider himself, Rodney Orr, Tider Insider TV 2, and, of course, the new book, uh, Bigger Than Bama. And we'll talk about that before we get done with the segment. We've got a lot to cover this morning with Rodney. Good morning, Rodney. How are you? Hey, Gary. How are you? Doing well. Good to have you. Uh, I don't really know where to start because there's a lot of different topics with Alabama football that we can we can dive into Um Obviously, they did not. Uh, they did not win the uh, semifinal game at the Rose Bowl. Uh, we were able to, uh, you know, dissect that last week and uh, how they came up short. Since we had you on on Tuesday, so we'll skip that for now, and we'll look ahead to the national championship game in a moment. But we'll begin with uh, the comings and goings of Alabama football players, Rodney, and, and really just uh, uh, begin with the portal because it's portal season, and there'll be another round in the spring. But for now. Um, there's a whole list of players that, that Alabama um, is losing to the portal, and I'll just run them down quickly. This goes back to before the end of the season. Ty Jones-Bell, Tyler Buckner, Ja'Cory Brooks, Isaiah Hastings, Anquan Barnes, Shaz Preston, those, all those players entered before the season 
was over. Since the season ended, Chaz Preston, Miles Kitzelman, Seth McLaughlin, who's committed to Ohio State, Terrence Ferguson the second, Eli Holstein committed to Pitt, Kristen Story, Monkel Goodwine, Malik Benson, Earl Little the second committed to Florida State. Ian Jackson, Roydell Williams, Jake Pope. Ronnie, that's a lot of good football players on that list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think it's uh, this is really the trend that it's going, where it's headed, because you look at Georgia, they lost a ton of players. I, I think I saw they lost at least four or five five-stars, formerly recruited as five-stars out of high school, like double digits uh, in, in four-stars and a few three-stars. They lost a recruiting class, basically. And I think now after the season, you've seen this Alabama list grow, and there's a lot of, like you said, great players there, or certainly potentially really good players. And, um, you know, some of them, you look at, uh, you know, whether you want to start, whoever you want to start with, Seth McLaughlin, you know, Scott's a veteran player. Um, you know, he's started, what, 25 games to lose a player like that at the center spot. Then you've got uh, T.J. Ferguson, who, you know, we've heard a lot of really good things about. He was actually a co-first teamer at one time, you know, in August camp at, at one of the guard spots, and a lot of people think he's potentially could be could have been the, the, the next center. Uh, so he's a really outstanding prospect as well. And then, you know, Earl Little's one that I thought could be really, really good in the secondary. You know, and I know he battled some injuries this year, and, uh, you know, hated to lose him. And, and, you know, again, you could you could go down that list. Roy Dell Williams is a guy that's a veteran player that's had a, had a nice career here, had some really big games at key times this year. Uh, so you're losing some some good players, and it's going to be interesting to see you know, exactly how Alabama kind of fills out this roster, uh, maybe with some of their additions. You know, they've had some uh, already uh, and some good ones, um, but uh, they're, they're obviously going to have some spots. Yeah, and they're going to continue to fill those spots, uh, not uh, just uh, from the portal, but obviously in terms of their high school recruiting, Rodney. And the 2024 class got uh, stronger on Saturday at the uh, – Army All-American game out in Texas when, as expected, Alabama got a commitment from Zay Mincy, an outstanding defensive back out of Daytona, Florida, who has already signed with Alabama, and it was announced. And the same thing with Daniel Hill, the, the running back from Meridian, Mississippi, who we had to wait on for a long time. Both those guys making it official at the uh, Army All-American game, Ronnie. That's two big pickups for this 2024 class. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, you look at Zay Mincy, and he's a really long kid. I mean, he's got really long arms. I, I you know, I was impressed with his tape, his versatility. Uh, he could play corner. Could play. He, he really looks physically to me more like a safety when I watch him. But, again, you know, who knows? I mean, Terry and Arnold came in as a five-star safety, and now he's going to leave a first-round corner probably. So, uh, you know, but he does have that versatility. I think he's a tremendous player, obviously, Florida, Florida State, Miami. You go in that state now with the way things are with NIL and you take a player out of there, uh, that's a big pickup, uh, you know. But uh, him and then also you mentioned Daniel Hill, the running back, who's uh, – yeah, this has been, he's got a real interesting story. But he's a 500 – I mean, 5'11", 240-pound sledgehammer-type mm-hmm. running back. And the one thing that really impressed me about him watching his tape back to the summer actually – you know, I, I need to watch more of his senior tape, but I was more impressed with him catching the ball than anything else. I mean, it was amazing that his ability to go down the field, get up, 
make catches, mm-hmm. make plays on the ball, had really good hands. But he's a power runner, obviously. I think he ran for like 3,100 yards the past two years, close to 40 TDs. So, yeah, I think he's a really good player. And as you know, Gary, you covered his dad. I covered his dad in high school, Demetrius Hill out of Meridian, who's a great player. So I say that to say, you know, sometimes the bloodlines are really – important you know when you're talking about this uh the, the game of football yeah he's a really good looking football player was impressed with him in that game you're right you see the size you see the power but very athletic too quick feet and um yeah two nice pickups and of course now all the attention is going to be on on ryan williams and what he decides to do in, in february he's committed to alabama uh, i know auburn and you know other schools too but particularly auburn hopeful in in flipping him but uh you know his time at the uh under Armour game, um, you know, he uh, he looked like we expected him to look. Uh, all the Alabama commits in that game looked good. But I didn't see or haven't seen anything from Ryan Williams writing that leads me to believe that he won't sign with Alabama. That's my expectation. That's who he's committed to. And I think ultimately that's where he'll wind up going. What about you? Yeah, the next several weeks probably going to be very interesting to watch him to see if he takes all the visits like He's scheduled to, you know, I know he's got the visit coming up to Alabama and, you know, he's going to go to Texas where his high school quarterback, um, KJ Lacey's currently committed. Uh, there's been some buzz. Maybe Lacey might flip to, to Auburn. I don't, I don't know what that, you know, how, how significant or in terms of the, the, the speculation, how, how reliable it might be right now. But, um, you know, so he's supposed to visit Auburn on that last weekend and be interesting to see. But, uh, if he takes those, all of those visits, um, you know, but again, I, I think he's the real key now. Uh, obviously, I think, think he's a he's a difference maker. So, um, you know, hopefully Alabama can hold on to him. Yeah, one another word on that Under Armour All American game. Caden Jones, the Alabama linebacker signee, had a pick six. Jalen Mbakwe looked great, and it was Mbakwe and Ryan Williams that it came down to for the forty yard dash competition that they did that week of the game, and it was Mbakwe that won it uh, over Ryan Williams and. Um, you know, of course, Mbakwe's Clay Chalkville team beat Ryan Williams, Sarah Lane team for the Class 6A state championship. So as much as I love Ryan Williams, and I do, I think he's an incredible player. Jalen Mbakwe is a guy that you don't want to overlook either. I mean, I know he's primarily looked at as a defensive cornerback, but he's a guy, too, you could, you know, if you wanted to find a role for him on offense, you certainly could right in, and, and the special teams, too. Yeah, he's, he's, he's dynamic. I mean, on the high school level, I don't know how you stop that guy. He was... Uh, when you snap it to him, I mean, he's like a Michael Vick back there. You know, he throws the ball, I think, left-handed too. So, uh, But, no, he's really a, a extreme talent. I mean, this is a five-star, legitimate five-star player. I mean, to have two guys like that, I mean, I, I know there was actually a year's difference between them, uh, but Ryan Williams reclassifying, you know, puts them both in the 2024 class. But, you know, Gary, to have two guys like that of that magnitude, uh, the level of their skill is, is pretty amazing. So, you know, and I know that they're really close. Uh, they played in the state championship game against each other. Of course, Mbakwe's team, Clay Chalkville, you know, found a way to win that game. And uh, But those guys are really close. And, and, and perhaps, you know, Mbakwe's presence and their, their relationship might, uh, you know, might benefit Alabama to some extent in terms of this recruitment. I think T-Rob, Traverius Robinson, I think he's really important in terms of, uh, you know, the recruitment of uh, Ryan Williams as well. All right, Rodney, we talked about the portal. <clears throat> we talked about the incoming recruiting class. Of course, Alabama is going to lose players to the, the draft as well. Uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry, J.C. Latham, Dallas Turner, Tyrion Arnold. None of these are surprising. Chris Braswell, uh, Jermaine Burton. But there was some news of, of players coming back as well. Um, 
including backup quarterback Ty Simpson. I think a lot of people just assumed would would leave with Milrow coming back, but he announced that he's going to stay at Alabama. I thought that's good news for Alabama. And listen, even if you know uh, he has to sit behind um, Milrow again, he'll still have two years of eligibility after that. So what did you make of the news of Ty Simpson staying? Yeah, well, you know, Ty said when he committed uh, a couple of years ago that, uh, you know, if he had to take the Mac Jones route, he would, you know, because he saw the uh, what what playing at Alabama right. in terms of the development mm-hmm. could do for you. Mm-hmm. So uh, now it, I'm not saying he's going to take that route. I mean, we don't know. I don't know how the future is going to play out. I, I did kind of, if you'd have made me say, well, guess, you know, beforehand, I would have probably leaned towards, well, maybe he'll look to, find another place. I, I Look, I know there's a lot of schools that would like to have had him. I uh, made a lot of progress throughout the season, I thought, and uh, it's, it's good that he's back. And, you know, we'll see. I mean, I, I, I still think that, you know, obviously Milrose, your quarterback, he's a guy that you're going to go into unless something falls apart, you're going to go into next season. He, he's going to be the starter. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I think there's a lot of room for improvement, too with Jalen Milrow on his part. And, you know, somebody giving some competition, I think the spring will be really interesting. They're going to have a great quarterback room behind Milrow, you know, with Ty back. And then also Dylan Lonergan, who, you know, a lot of people I've talked to, I mean, numerous sources say this guy is the real deal. Great arm is a decent, really good athlete, actually. Uh, and then you've got Julian Sain coming in, you know, the five-star that's here right now that's gone through some of the bowl practices. So, got a great quarterback room i mean i think the competition would be really really good and malachi moore on the defense um you know announcing that he's coming back a lot of experience in the secondary now listen him coming back i think did have an impact on some of these guys in the secondary that are leaving but um you know are you are you glad that malachi moore is coming back as i said a lot of experience or do you think maybe that um has negatively impacted the secondary in terms of some of the guys that are leaving you know, uh, I, I really don't know all the details to some of those that are leaving. You know, there's uh, I've heard the buzz that if, if Malachi would have gone, Earl Little might have come back. I'm, I'm not 100% sure about that. But, uh, you know, Malachi Moore has a lot of experience, as you mentioned. I mean, I thought he had a great freshman year. The last two years before this one, what you know, whatever reasons, he had some injuries, just didn't quite live up to that same level that he played as a freshman. But thought he was better this year. Uh, you know, seemed to be – closer to the Malachi Moore that we knew as a freshman. And so, yeah, for his experience and the leadership that he brings, I think that's always, you know, important to have in your program. And and I think, too, I think you look at this team as a whole, I think the leadership on it, you know, wasn't really there at the first of the year in terms of having the mature leaders, the guys who had experienced, uh, you know, a lot of success, Gary, that could show the other guys, the younger players, and kind of lead them. There was some guys that could do that, but not what we've seen from some of these Alabama teams. So I think anytime you can have a player like that, Malachi Moore, that's, that's you know he was part of a national championship. He was a starter as a true freshman on that 2020 team. Did a great job. Was fantastic. Produced a lot of big plays. So I think anytime you can have a player like that that can can bring that and help the other kids, the younger kids. Uh, yeah, it's always great to get a guy like that back. All right, Ryan, of course, coaching staff movement, too, as normal for, for all of these programs. You've got, uh, 
you know, we knew Hutzler was leaving a special teams outside linebackers coach to become defense coordinator at Mississippi State. And then Holman Wiggins, just uh, kind of out of nowhere, a wide receivers coach took a job at, at A&M. Um, do you expect to see any other? Uh, obviously, that's a couple openings right there. Uh, what do you think in terms of the coaching staff? There'll be some more movement and, and, you know, there's a couple openings to fill already and there could be more, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, these coaching things, I I think, you know, last week after Tider and Sutter TV, we walked out, we go, you know, we go down and sit down to have dinner, and all of a sudden Holman Wiggins is gone, yeah. you know? It just suddenly announced. And, uh, that, I, I, again, I, I know he's been a guy that's been kind of on the bubble in terms of talking about him leaving for a couple of years now, and then all of a sudden it drops. So it, it's hard to predict some of these moves. And, and I will think, I wonder – I'm not really sure, 100% sure, what they're going to do with George Hilo. Uh, I mean, maybe you've heard. I have not heard yet exactly if if he's sticking around, if he's definitely gone, if he was only here, you know, temporarily to help with the preparation for Michigan and the playoffs. So I really don't know what he's going to do. If he's going to be the outside linebackers coach, then I guess right now as you look at the, the defensive staff, they seem to be pretty set. I wouldn't know that there's going to be any changes. But what if he's not? that outside linebackers coach, then what do they do? I mean, they have a spot to fill on that side. I, I don't know what they would do. I know what a lot of Alabama fans wish they would do, wish Nick Saban would do, and that is move Freddie Roach to outside linebackers and bring in the best defensive line coach in America, Bo Davis. Uh, you know, I don't know how possible that might be, if that would even be a consideration. But, uh, but so, again, this is all speculation. We just don't know what, what they're going to do with that spot. Well, speaking of that, you know, we usually don't take calls because you and I have so much to talk about. But we have a caller called in and wants to ask you about, uh, about Bo Davis. So do you need to punch him through or can I without – I don't want to mess, mess Rodney up here. All right, Robert, you're on with hey, Rodney Ward. Uh, long-time fan. Hey, Gary, it's Robert up in Birmingham. Hey, Robert. Yeah, little history, uh, Rodney, my – Father-in-law who passed, um, he played on um, Bears, Bears' first team. He he's one of your first subscribers. We had to we had to mail you mail you a check. He did that back in the days, <laughs> you know, twenty something years ago. So, hey, Bo Davis, yes, would be awesome. I hope Coach feels the same way. The biggest here's a question I have for you regarding our NIL budget. I know Coach doesn't like throw out millions and dollars. He tries to keep it as even as he can, so nobody. But are we? Do we have the the bankroll we need to be competitive? I know Auburn's throwing stupid money around. Are we where we need to be? Um, and then the last qu- second question, defensive line, defensive line, defensive line. I feel like we've been short. We had not been where we need to be for five or six years. Are, this coming fall, are we going to be where we need to be? Are we still shorthanded on the defensive line? Thanks, man. I love the show. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Robert. Uh, what about defensive line, Rod? Well, let me say real quickly on the NIL, I don't know all the details. I do think that Alabama – uh, certainly is very competitive, uh, it, it, you know, when they need to be uh, with some of the guys that they, they really want to recruit, that they really want to keep, whatever. I think they can be as competitive. I, I'm not saying, you know, compete with, uh, you know, huge, huge money that some schools are throwing out. I, I just don't think Nick Saban wants to do that or would do that. But, yeah, I mean, I think there's probably been situations and players that they've brought in that, you know, it's 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 required some NIL, you know, and I think they had to be competitive in those situations. Uh, as far as the defensive line is concerned, um, you know, I think that they've got some good players. Uh, I don't know that they've recruited, uh, you know, okay, a lot of people say, well, year before this one, 
They recruited the top defensive line class in the country or one of the top. Yeah, I mean, it looks like it was a good recruiting class. I think James Smith has a lot of potential. I think next year, one year in the program, certainly going to help him, and he should be better. Uh, he should be one of the key guys up front defensively. I think the guy, really a young guy to watch, too, uh, Gary, is Jordan Renaud out of the state of Texas, who was a redshirt pre- well. I assume he got rich. I can't remember if he played in four games this or over four games this year or not. I don't think he did. But regardless, um, he's a guy that next year I think he takes a big jump because I think this offseason is going to help him to get bigger and stronger, and I think he's a really, really talented defensive lineman. Uh, but, you know, you, you obviously have Jaheim Otis back. I think Jaheim must have been kind of nicked up this year. It really kept him from being, uh, you know, maybe reaching the level that we, we expected. But, you know, they've got some players up front defensively. I think they've got to just continue to develop those guys. And, um, you know, uh, again, I, it, defensive line is, is so developmental. It's so much about, you know, getting guys that have the tools and developing them and making them into really, really good players. So, uh, and I think Alabama has some players that they can do that with. Uh, this was the issue. I knew this would happen, and we took uh, we took one call for you, Rodney. I, I I had a feeling this would happen. We're not going to do this every week, folks. This is a interview segment, but we've got a couple other people to try to get through. And I'm going to take Digger just because he never called me back after he pro- he guaranteed me Alabama would not make the playoff, and I promised him if Alabama beat Georgia, they would. Um, he's a Texas fan, Rodney, out of Louisiana, and he wants to talk about Bo Davis. So we're going to go ahead and take him on. Keep it, keep it on point, Digger. Good morning. I'm going to, I'm going to say it very calmly. He's already committed. He's not going anywhere. He got his million dollar bonus. Okay, it's wishful thinking that he's going to leave for Alabama. He's already committed for the year. Okay, I mean, I think it's irresponsible that you're bringing this up over the air, misleading your audience with this. Come on, stop it. You. You, you cover it with speculative talk. Well, I didn't bring anything up. A caller, a caller, a caller brought it up, and we don't even know if Alabama's going to offer the guy a job anyway. So if he's not going anywhere, Digger, you don't have anything to worry about, right, Rod? Right. I'm well, let, let me know. It ain't going right. to happen. Well, just like Alabama wasn't going to make the playoff? Let me say this, Gary. Hey, First of all, my fault. y'all didn't deserve to be there. If you're going to talk about that, bro, you were not a worthy opponent in the playoffs, okay? Oh, my gosh. Oh, Texas, boy. Texas, Texas was. Texas, Texas got beat. Hey, look, that quarterback is no joke. He's winning it tonight, Aaron, to you. Penny is the next. I'm telling you, you're looking at a very polished. Kenny Stabler. All right, we're getting off. We're good. getting off. We're getting off track. All right, Rod. All right, all right. All right. All right. By, Bo, by Bo Davis, Rod. If he, you couple know, things here for yeah. for Digger. Number one is if I'm Digger, I'm really disappointed because Texas had a lot more talent overall across the board than uh, Washington. So that's not really a good sign, Digger. You had a great chance. You got the tradition. You got the program. Uh, you had opportunities to score there late to, to, to win the game. And, you know, but, but with all that said, be a little disappointed. I thought Texas of all the teams I've seen, the four teams saw in the playoffs, they were the most disappointing. Um, and I would say this about Bo and Texas. Uh, look, first of all, we, we made it really clear, Digger, that it was only speculation that it's what Alabama fans would like. We never said Bo Davis was a consideration at all. That's right. We were just speculating. So just to be clear, you're probably right. You're probably right that Bo Davis is 
staying there another year or whatever. I would say this, though, and I feel really confident saying this. If Nick Saban called Bo Davis today and offered him, uh, I, I don't even think he has to uh, touch exactly the, the number whatever Texas is paying him, uh, I think Bo Davis would, would jump on the first uh, train to Tuscaloosa. I really do. Uh, now, again, that's just me. But, you know, like you said, Digger, it looks like Bo is, is definitely going to be in Texas for at least a little while. All right, Ryan, we're, we're out of time, but I want you to mention your book real quickly here. Yeah, okay. Well, it's bigger than Bama. Um, you know, again, we've talked about it some, but uh, I, I know you're kind of in a hurry, Gary, and it's, it's, it's about, you know, kind of my life, my journey, and, you know, starting out as an Alabama fan growing up in Corpus Christi, Texas, and, you know, after having moved from Mobile and how it all kind of evolved and, you know, kind of was my driving force to be honest with you, probably my, my main driving force to go to school at the University of Alabama and to, to, to be where I am right now, you know, covering Alabama and all of those things. But in the midst of it, too, there's the personal side that, you know, my wife who really pushed me into my destiny, knowing my dream, and she was the one that, that really pushed me into my destiny. And, you know, Gary, once we got here in Tuscaloosa, things started taking off. I was you know, I was living my dream, you know, living my dream. And I lost contact with my family, with my wife. And, you know, things started to go downhill and just how things happen. You know, I would have never expected that my wife would get addicted to prescription drugs and, you know, how, how all these things unfolded and just about the mistakes that I made as a husband and as a father and all of those things and how it contributed to the dysfunction that we had. And so I share all of that and, you know, in my book and, you know, hopefully it can be helpful to other people. All right, Ronnie, great stuff. And, of course, TiterInsider.com as well. Um, still just $48 a year. And, and order the book at RodneyOr.com. Uh, great stuff, Rod. And, uh, yeah, we'll have to be careful going down these uh, phone calls route every week. But uh, appreciate you taking a couple of them today. Okay. Okay, buddy. Take care. All right. Titer Insider TV tomorrow night at 630. All right. Uh, Justin's going to help me out here because we went way over. So we are going to combine these breaks, and we're going to go ahead and close out the first hour. This hour has been brought to you by Alabama Credit Union, member-owned and not-for-profit. It's just a better way of banking. Hour number two is coming up. Casey Smith on golf at 1030. More of your phone calls as well. This is the Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. up next on the stingray show the stingray show hopes that you guys have a wonderful weekend here in west alabama and coming up on the monday evening edition of the stingray show we are going to look ahead to the tuesday night matchup between alabama and south carolina on the hardwood and talk about it from the south carolina perspective plus we will give you our final thoughts on the national championship game before that game kicks off that's all ahead on the Monday edition of the Stingray Show. Tune into the Stingray Show Monday night from 7 to 8 p.m. on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Becoming mostly cloudy today, a chance of rain this afternoon, the high 53. Very windy tonight with widespread rain. Winds could gust as high as 45 miles per hour, the low tonight 44. Tomorrow, windy, rain ending during the morning, the high 58. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 44 degrees in Tuscaloosa. 
WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a Town Square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Nick Cope. In his season-ending press conference, Patriots coach Bill Belichick said that he'd be open to giving up GM duties if that's what's best for the team. I'm on a contract, um, do what I always do, which is you know, every day I come in, work as hard as I can to help the team in whatever way I can. Belichick is expected to meet with owner Robert Kraft at some point this week. And after firing coach Arthur Smith, the Athletic reports the Atlanta Falcons are interested in Belichick if he were to become available. Changes are being made across the league. The commanders have fired coach Ron Rivera after four seasons. New owner Josh Harris has hired former Warriors executive Bob Myers and former Vikings GM Rick Spielman to assist in finding a new coach and head of football operations. Part owner Magic Johnson will also assist in the search. Panthers fired GM Scott Fitterer. Jets coach Robert Sala said he's not anticipating any major staff changes. Now, this hour's West Alabama real-time news update from the Tuscaloosa Thread Newsroom. With advisory for sustained winds 15 to 25 miles per hour, gust up to 45 miles per hour. Begins at 3 this afternoon, runs through 6 tomorrow night. Starting around 2 a.m. tomorrow morning, there is a marginal 1 in 5 risk for strong and severe storms between Tuscaloosa and Demopolis. A slight 2 in 5 risk south of there. Spring semester classes begin today at the University of Alabama, so traffic congestion should be on the rise throughout the city. Tuscaloosa City and County Schools resumed their classes last week. Get 24-7 local news coverage and sports updates when you download the free Tuscaloosa Thread app and sign up for twice-daily email newsletters. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV. Crimson Tide kickoff. Play-by-play for Alabama sports and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, here we go. Hour number two of the Gary Harris Show right here on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. I'm Gary Harris, your host. Justin Jones is producing the program. He's with me for another hour as well. Always appreciate Justin and his efforts in helping me do the show every day. This hour of the Gary Harris Show is being brought to you by Patterson Comer Attorneys at Law. Paul Patterson and Mike Comer, feet on the ground in West Alabama. Paul's in Tuscaloosa, 205-345-1000. Mike's in Northport at 205-759-3939. If you need a personal injury attorney, you need Paul Patterson or Mike Comer. They'll see you all the way through. Uh, being local means something. I know uh, they have been great to me, and they'll be great to you. And remember, if um, you want attorneys, like I said, that you can sit down eyeball to eyeball and be with you all the way, nothing against the 1-800 firms, but you might not even even meet the lawyer that represents you. In fact, you probably won't. That won't be the case here. And even if you have to go to court, they'll be with you every step of the way. And remember, it's a contingency firm. In other words, you don't pay them a penny unless they collect for you. So there's no risk at all. Give them a call again. Mike's in uh, Northport, 205-759-3939. Paul's in Tuscaloosa, 205-345-1000. The commitment to serve our clients does not stop at the end of the workday. We're available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. PattersonComerLawFirm.com.
No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers. And uh, we are going to be talking uh, more college football in this hour and college basketball as well. You're welcome to give us a call on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline here in hour number two at 205-342-9904, 205-342-9904 if you want to give us a ring. We would love to hear from you. All right, I'm going to go ahead and because I wanted to ask Rodney about the national championship game, Justin, and and um, we ran out of time, took a couple of phone calls there, which I don't you know, mine, but at the same time, it, you know, it's hard to get uh, uh, him in and in on time anyway. Uh, so it put us over and I didn't get to ask about, uh, about the game. I think uh, Michigan is a, <clears throat> what's a point spread or they minus five. By the way, I, I think I mentioned this last week. I went seven and two against the spread in my SEC point uh, spread for the bowl game. So I bounced back nicely there. And I also had taken Alabama plus the points against Georgia in the SEC championship game, even though I took Georgia to win. So I went eight and two down the stretch after a poor regular season. I think Michigan's minus five. Is that right? Michigan minus five. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, Justin, I'll get your input. I'm, I'm picking Washington to win the game. So I'm obviously taking the five points here. I think the five's a bonus. And I listen, I got a lot of respect for Michigan. I said that last week. They're really good, and they'll probably, you know, prove me wrong tonight because they're so sound, they're so solid, they're so physical. Having said that, I just think this Washington offense is dynamic. The receivers, Penix Jr., uh, the running back should be able to play. Um, they stress you out a lot. And and I just was really impressed with what they get against Texas outside of nearly giving the game away at the end. But they clearly outplayed Texas. Texas was very fortunate to have a chance in that game and give them credit for having an opportunity to win. But Washington went up and down the field on them all night. No, they definitely did. I'm, I'm looking here at the – so minus five Michigan and then uh, – 56 points is the over-under right now. So I, I think I'm going to go with you as well, Gary, and go Washington. But I'm going to take the under for the total points. Um, I think it's going to be a good game, but it might be like 20-something. Michigan's going to win by uh, – sorry. Michigan's going to lose by a touchdown at least. Yeah, I don't know. You're, you're with me. I, I think the popular wisdom is obviously Michigan's the favorite. Um, and I like their team. I like their experience. I like how well coached they are. I, I, I said this last week. I think that uh, I think that in that particular game, uh, their preparation and their plan was better than um, Alabama's. And I really think they're a sound team. I just think that Washington's offense <clears throat> and you know. It's it's next level. And again, I give Texas a lot of credit for hanging in there. But really, that game should have been, I'm not going to say a blowout, but Washington should have won that game by a couple of touchdowns, 14, 17 points. I mean, they outplayed Texas, in my opinion, and their offense really never got slowed down in the game. So we'll find out tonight. But I like Washington to win, and um, so does Justin. Let's find out what Phillip thinks about it on the uh Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline at 205-342-9904. Good morning, Philip. Hey, the, the uh, game tonight, I think I'm going to Washington, Gary. Okay, tell us why. I, I think they're, they're quick. I think they're a quick team. They've got a good passing game. Um, we didn't have a good passing game the other night, and I think they, they throw it well. They throw it around the field really well, and uh, that's a strong suitor there. So I, I think they match up well with Michigan, and I think they can keep Michigan on their heels a little bit better than Alabama did. Yeah, I think that uh, what you said has a lot of truth. I, I do too. I think that they can. I think they can stress that Michigan defense and uh, the you know big key for Alabama in that game 
in the second half after they came back out of halftime and, and really controlled the third quarter and then took the lead in the fourth quarter was they had the opportunities there, a couple of them, to go up by two scores, Phillip. And I mm-hmm. think if Alabama goes up by two scores, they win the game. I, I still don't think Michigan is oh, yeah. equipped to really come back. Uh, I don't think that's the kind of team that they are. Even though they came back and beat Alabama, they only got down seven. If Washington can get up on them and force them out of their comfort zone a little bit, I I think it'll be really difficult on Michigan if Washington gets up a couple scores and they have the offensive firepower to do it. Oh, great. Now, uh, basketball, if I could change up. Sure. Go for uh, it. Alabama's got to tighten up, Gary. They got to tighten up. That game the other day was, uh, I mean, it's nice to get a win in Nashville. It's nice to get a win on the road, period. But they got tightened up. Yeah, they're gonna have to play better, uh, and they're gonna have to avoid these lapses. And I know that's you know every team says that you don't want to have, but you know you're up thirty three fifteen. You've got a, you're on pace to score sixty in the first half, and you you hit a lull there where I think they went what seven minutes without scoring. In, in I the know they went four minutes and twenty seconds without scoring. Yeah, I thought it was time. even longer than that. And yeah. I, I mean, again, you're you're you got thirty three points um, halfway through the first half, and you only scored forty. So they scored seven points the final ten plus minutes of the first half, and let Vanderbilt back in the game. And we're only up four at the break, forty to thirty six. Then in the second half, you know they got that thing. It seemed like it was stayed. It stayed right around eight, nine, ten, eleven points the whole second half. And I know they were up eleven with just a few minutes to go. And and then we're up seven. I think well after uh, Nelson, you know, got the little alley oop and made the basket and got fouled. I think they were up seven with about a minute to play. And I think they were too. You know, and 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 barely hung on to win the game. So. Um, you know, it's um, it. Yeah, I'm with you. It's got to. It's got to. You know, they got to get better than that. I, I agree with you 100. Yeah. yeah. Well, good talking to you, Gary, and um, be checking in with you tomorrow, man. All right, thank you, Philip. Always good to hear from thank you. you. 12 minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock. Hey, listen, I want to continue to remind you that um, T-Town Menswear and T-Town Gallery University Mall, two stores in one. First of all, if you're a gentleman, and you want to look your best. Uh, Tom and the folks there at T-Town Menswear. I mean, I'm telling you what, they will have you looking like a million dollars. They have the most impressive line of suits and sports coats that I've seen anywhere in town. Um, and they've got some personality in the store, too, now. I mean, it isn't just, it isn't just brown and gray and black. I mean, they got, if you like color, they got color, man. They got color. They got, they got uh, the shoes to go with it. All the latest styles are there. And, of course, that one-of-a-kind Alabama football memorabilia collection. You got to get by and see them at T-Town Menswear and T-Town Gallery in the University Mall. All right, it's uh, time to take a break here. When we come back, we're wide open for phone calls on the other side of the break on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline at 205-342-9904. Then Casey Smith on golf coming up at the bottom of the hour. Let's get some more phone calls in here. 205-342-9904. And we will talk more Bama basketball. Philip kind of got us you know, tipped off in that direction, and they'll have more thoughts on the Crimson Tide in that game tomorrow night at home against a really surprising South Carolina team. We'll do that next. Don't be as much as Innisfree has evolved. It will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meat and 3 special Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m. Get a meat and 3 vegetables for just $8.49. Or for a lighter appetite, try the Lucky Lunch Soup, Salad, or Sandwich Combo. I'll see you at the free. 
Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Becoming mostly cloudy today, a chance of rain this afternoon, the high 53. Very windy tonight with widespread rain. Winds could gust as high as 45 miles per hour, the low tonight 44. Tomorrow, windy, rain ending during the morning, the high 58. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 45 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide will not be denied. All right, 1016, welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. The YMCA of Tuscaloosa is ready to kick off the new year with you, and they've got a special... Till the end of the month, through January 31st, no sign-up fee at the YMCA. So this is a great time to join. It's the best time of the year to start getting fit. Uh, everybody's got in, you know, excitement, enthusiasm for the new year, and the YMCA's got the facility and the staff to help you reach your fitness goals, and they've got no joining fee for the month of January. Get by and see them at the YMCA, and uh, you'll be glad that you did. And I'm excited about getting back in for the new year and uh, getting – I took a little break over the holidays, and you know, as people that listen to the show know, my mom's having some health issues, and and uh, but you know, I'm just I'm ready to get back in there, Justin, and try to you know take off the the little soft uh, couple of pounds I picked up over the holidays here. I'm starting back today, so pray for me, Gary. <laughs> well, you know, hey man, it's that's the hardest part's getting there. I always say hardest part of working out is just getting to the gym. Hey, listen, we're gonna get to basketball, but we got some breaking news, huge news, and we'll have more. Of course, it's perfect that Casey Smith is joining us at the bottom of the hour. But Tiger Woods has officially parted ways with Nike via a statement that he released uh, through his uh, website over 27 years ago. I was fortunate to start a partnership with one of the most iconic brands in the world. The days since have been filled with so many amazing moments and memories. If I started naming them, I could go on forever. Phil Knight's passion and vision brought this Nike and Nike golf partnership together. And I want to personally thank him along with the Nike employees and incredible athletes I have had the pleasure of working with along the way. People will ask if there's another chapter. Yes, there will certainly be another chapter. See you in L.A., Tiger. All right, so Tiger Woods, like Roger Federer, you know, left Nike. And it looks like Tiger... Um, might be following Federer to on running in a deal that would see Tiger take an equity stake. Roger Federer left Nike for an equity deal with on running in 2018. So that's something uh, to keep an eye on. I'm guessing these are like the on cloud shoes that are, quite popular right now I'm, I'm assuming the same brand maybe they're looking to foray into some golf i'm not sure i yeah i i um i don't know i just saw it on twitter at on running let's see if we can pull them up here um yeah, it would it would be the shoes that i'm thinking of on running on cloud is kind of a brand that they have so on that, that they're the ones that make the on cloud shoes they're very yes. popular now i like yeah. hoka's better than on cloud I've, had, yeah. <laughs> I got, I've got both. I've, I've heard both do. are good. I, I'm not. I've not tried on either. But yeah, the but on they cloud do. Shoes, but they yes. do do the on clouds. Okay, so that would make sense. I guess they are planning if they're going to sign Tiger Woods. Then uh, if that's where he winds up, and I'll ask Casey more about it here coming up at the bottom of the hour. Then you would think that that's going to lead to um, um, that is going to lead to a golf line for for on 
cloud on running whatever their company is. As I said, we'll have Casey on. He'll be ready for it at the bottom of the hour. I can I can assure you of that. All right, let's get back to Bama basketball, Justin. And and listen, I I, I hope I'm not being too harsh on the team. Okay, <laughs> you know. You, you had a road game to start SEC play, and you won the game. All right? So that's the bottom line. But you can still, you know, have a right. That's, we all have a right to our opinion. I could still be disappointed, even though they won, because I don't – and I've got a lot of respect for Jerry Stackhouse, and I know Coach Oates does. You know, Jerry Stackhouse with his NBA background, Coach Oates has talked a lot about how they run the NBA, NBA stuff, and they're always a challenge and, you know, challenging prep. And give Vandy credit. I mean, they could have they could have folded their tent, and at home they didn't. And they battled back from 18 down in the first half and 11 down in the second half, and and you know honestly had a chance to win. <laughs> you know, Alabama. Um, but I don't know. I, I I look at Alabama's team, and I thought they should have been able to run away there a little bit. When you're up 33 to 15. I don't care if it's on the road. And it wasn't the normal Memorial Gym because there were a lot of Alabama fans in there. Um, they should have won that game by double digits. And the fact that they didn't just leaves me concerned with this team. It just seems like it's kind of like the Dolphins a little bit. <laughs> you know, the Dolphins, I, I saw um, Ryan Clark say this last night. When you can't match up with their playmakers, more they can beat you down. They can make you look bad. I kind of feel, but when they play really good teams, they're not as formidable. I kind of feel like that's the case with Alabama basketball. You know, when they're out against that amount of opponents, man, they, you know, they hang 110 on you <laughs> like it's nobody's business. And, I mean, they, they've had some 40, 50-point wins. But when they play good teams, and, and, you know, Vanderbilt's not a good SEC team, but they are an SEC team. And I guess I'm just, tomorrow night's a big one, Justin. You'd agree with that. South Carolina comes in here on a roll. Say what you want. I don't know how good South Carolina is, but they got a great record and they, they beat Mississippi State at home. That's a big game tomorrow night. It is going to be a game, big game. And you're right. I mean, we saw them play Liberty in Birmingham. Oh, and it was beat down. Yeah, domination. And then they go to Vanderbilt, which is supposed to be towards the bottom end of the SEC. And at first you think, here's what I was doing during this game. I was listening to it on on our station here at Title 100.9, uh, out running some errands with my little brother. It's 33-15, like you said. I said, okay, I can turn it off a little bit and do something else. I ended up getting the notification on my phone that we only won by, was it three points? 78-75. Yep. I was shocked, absolutely shocked. We we should not be playing close like that against a team like Vanderbilt. And But like you said, credit to Jerry Stackhouse because they are a well-coached team. Yeah, and you look at the numbers, and you would think that Alabama – if you didn't see the score and you just looked at the stats, other than Alabama was only 14 to 21 from the line, but you would have looked at the stats and said, Alabama won that game probably by 10, 12, 15 points. Alabama shot 26 of 53 from the field, which is 49.1%, 12 of 30, 40% from three, which isn't bad. Vanderbilt only shot 26 of 65 and 7 of 26. Now, Vandy did uh, go 16 to 20 from the line, but Alabama out-rebounded them 41 to 34. Uh, Alabama had 13 assists to six. They had five blocks. Now, the turnovers were an area where Vanderbilt had the edge 16 to nine. But still, you know, you just look at that stat line, and you think Alabama probably won that game um, by 10, 12 points, and they probably should have. That's my whole point. And to be held to 78 points when you had 33 points with less than 
10 minutes, you're less than 10 minutes into the game. And you like you were on pace, you know, and not that you're going to keep that pace up the whole game, but I'm surprised they didn't get into the 80s. I picked it 85 to 68, and they were held under 80 points. But then, you know, they won the game tomorrow night. Like I said, it's at home. It's a game on paper you should win. But I'm a little leery of this South Carolina team. Well, we were just saying, like, uh, the stretch that they went through this past month in Arizona and Creighton and Purdue – and they lost all three of those games, but they played them close. So we we were thinking, and we said here, Gary, this is toughing the team up. They're going to be ready for SEC play. But then we're at the SEC play now against Vanderbilt, and we're still playing in close games. I'm grateful we won, but we're going to play better teams in the SEC than than Vanderbilt. So it is worrying. Yeah, it it is a little bit. And um, but if you get the win tomorrow night, you're two and zero. You go to Mississippi State on Saturday. That won't be easy. But this Mississippi State team, um, Alabama can win that game in Starkville. And then you host Missouri. So you have got a opportunity to start out 4-0 in conference play. If you do that, you know, all of a sudden I'll be sitting here thinking differently. Now, the reason that's important, I think, at least to be 3-1, and certainly – Better to be four and zero, but I think at least to be three and one is you got to go to Tennessee on Saturday, January twentieth, and then you got to host Auburn on the twenty fourth. Those are two tough games. I mean, Tennessee in Knoxville. I mean, I'd have to pick Tennessee to win that one, and I don't think Auburn's going to be any gimme in Tuscaloosa. It is weird to me too how it seems like every time Alabama hosts Auburn. It's always on a weeknight, and it seems like every time Alabama goes to Auburn, it's always on a Saturday. Uh, I, I don't. That's probably not the case, but that's just the way it kind of feels to me that Alabama has to catch Auburn um, on a weekend. Although this year, and here I'll correct myself, it is going to be a Wednesday night game in Auburn, and it's a. Thursday game in Tuscaloosa or no, it's a Wednesday night game in Tuscaloosa too. So they're both Wednesday evening games. Uh, Alabama in Tuscaloosa against Auburn and Alabama in Auburn are both on Wednesday night. So, but Alabama's got a chance to get out three and one, four and zero, um, and that would that would be advantageous, obviously. And I think that uh, uh, you know, I think that would be. Uh, a good way to get this team some momentum. I don't think this team's going to win the SEC championship. They've won it two out of the last three years. They've won the tournament two out of the last three years. But then again, you know what? They've got enough talent that they can compete and getting off to a fast start will be important. You know, if you, this team's not good enough, I think, to overcome a poor start. In other words, if they're, they're two and two out of the blocks against these first. These first four games are winnable. All four of these games, by you know, I think Alabama is better than all four of these teams. I do. I think they're better. Now you got to play Mississippi State in Starkville, but you got South Carolina and Missouri at home. So three and one at worst, four and zero oh at best, and um, and you got a chance to to really roll. All right, it's ten twenty seven here this hour of the Gary Harris Show being brought to you by. Patterson Comer, Attorneys at Law. We're going to take the break and come back and we'll talk more about Tiger Woods. We'll talk golf and get Casey's thoughts 
on the national championship game as well. Casey Smith on golf when we come back to the Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 FM, 1230 AM WTBC, Tide 109 app, and Tide109.com. Covering University of Alabama sports, as well as the national and local scene as well. The Gary Harris Show, only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. It's a new year and the sweet sounds of Augusta are just right around the corner. You know how it is. You get into January and you start thinking about the spring and April gets here before you know it. And uh, that's the music we like to play when we lead into Casey Smith on golf. Casey hasn't been with us for a couple of weeks and um, took some time off for the holidays. But this is great timing to come back because, my gosh, we've got a lot of golf to talk about. As I said, breaking news with Tiger Woods leaving Nike. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, we're going to lead off with um, the season getting underway in Hawaii. Good morning, Casey. How are you? Hey, happy new year. Good morning, Gary. Hope you're doing well. Ready to uh, start another year talking golf. Excited yeah. about the new year. Absolutely. And, and we had a big event over the weekend. Now, listen, I got to get some clarification for myself here because Wimp and Barry were on this morning and um, Wimp was talking about Justin Thomas not playing in this event and I said to Barry when I got in, I said, well, it's because it's the Century Tournament of Champions. But I understand, am I right now in that it used to be restricted just to champions from the previous year, but they've expanded the qualifications and could have Justin played in this tournament or not? He could not have played in this tournament based on his 70 or 71st finish, okay. I think 71st finish, you know. In, uh, so he wasn't eligible. He would have played if he could. It, Oh, yeah. Everyone plays in this because there's no cut and yeah. you've got uh, tons of money being won. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're, when you have no cut and you have less players, there's obviously a lot more money to be earned because the they keep the purse. The purse is the purse, right? It's yeah. a massive well, just purse. Just less players, yeah. And yeah. then you just, yeah, you, you mean, you know, if there's winners, multiple winners all year, and, and, and let's just say someone wins, a different player wins every week, well, then you're going to have more people in the field. Obviously, you know, Scotty Scheffler winning as many times as he did. You don't get a John Rahm, um, you know, in the field because he's now gone to live. Think about how many times he's won. So each one of those, as they say, sort of here are all the people that could be in max amount of people that they could have in the field, probably 70, I think it was the number or something like that, 70 total when you include everyone else. And I think, what, 59 played, 59 total played. Um, so – Ron would have been 60. They didn't fill backfill his spot. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he would have played. Uh, we obviously have uh, Sepp Straka from Birmingham play, finished tied for 12th. Davis Riley and, and Lee Hodges uh, didn't have their best weeks. I mean, you know, it's crazy how weird. Davis shoots minus nine yesterday uh, to finish minus 11 for the tournament. And then Lee Hodges, minus nine uh, for the tournament. He was he finished 57 out of 59, Davis 52. And then, mm. you know, big congrats, though. Someone that's easy to pull for who I, you know, know a little bit, uh, been around some. Chris Kirk, he is a uh, Georgia Bulldog and an Athens, Georgia native. Takes lessons from Scott Hamilton and Cartersville. Uh, Chris was with Callaway when I was with Callaway. He's back with him now. But one of the nicest, greatest guys on tour who has – refound his career through his, uh, you know, sobriety and a uh, great family guy. I was watching his call with his, his uh, wife and kids yesterday. 
Josh can play golf. I mean, he, he really hits it on a string. He hits it great. He had a 67 in round one. He had a 65 in round two. Mm-hmm. He had a 66 in round three. And he had a 65 in round four. I mean, he played flawless golf. Uh, and, and, you know, scores are high for a course like, you know, for you would think given it's the, it's the, uh, they call it the toughest walk on tour outside back and forth with Augusta. The caddies hate it because the walks go up to the tees, which is what gives us those vistas on television to, to watch in Maui, but, um, it makes you want to be there. But Chris Kirk shot 29 under and had one bogey for four rounds. It's impressive golf. Uh, you know, it, it, it's just razor thin. I mean, I guess the guy, I'm sure if you told him he would have shot minus 10 yesterday, he would have won I mean, minus 10. I mean, it does say, it does point to the course and it's par 73. It's a little different in that regard. But what's crazy is Sung JM broke the PGA tour record for birdies in a tournament in the history of the PGA tour. He made 34 birdies in 72 holes and he finished fifth. Um, which is wild. That's, that's, that's pretty nuts. wild, right? I mean, 34 birdies is a ton. And I know his caddy pretty well, Will Wilcox. He's from, um, he was a PGA Tour player from Pell City. Mom used to be the golf coach at, at UAB, but he's out of playing on tour. He had a sobriety issue himself, and now he's sober and uh, with Sun JM. So good start to the year, uh, which leads us a segue into what you, you were sort of asking about, which you find funny is, only players could play in that event were those players that were qualified. Well, the next event they play in Hawaii as well is the Sony Open. And they go from Maui to Honolulu. Mm-hmm. And in years past, given the tour schedule the way it was, um, not as many big players have been going to Hawaii or staying over there. They would leave and come back and get some, you know, rest before the mainland season started. Well, there's a big sting. The BGA Tour just can't get out of their own way. So PGA Tour, now a big mess coming out right now that is going to be overshadowed by the Tiger news drop. At the Corn Ferry Tour graduation, thirty they awarded 30 cards in you know, two school Corn Ferry Tour graduation, which they knocked out of the park and they did great. So the tour is finally doing some good there. And then they tell all these players they're going to be able to get into the Sony Open. Because if you're one of the last players to qualify for the tour through KFT and Q school, you're, you're last on the priority list of who's going to make it in event. Mm-hmm. Given the fall season was there for really guys trying to keep their card. A lot of these guys that were, you know, and not Justin Thomas per se, but like where Justin Thomas finished on the, the list and back in that 70 to 120 range, a lot more of them are going and playing and a lot more of the, 30 to 70 are going and playing in the, in the home in the Sony open in Honolulu. And now these guys that were told, you know, up and summer rookies on the PGA tour coming from the corn fairy tour with not a lot of money in their pocket. We're told they're going to be there. They all booked trips and now they're not in the field. How about that mess? Yeah. That's... You got guys over there that are not in the field right. and you got, I remember like spots and sponsors were going, they were taking people to see their new player that they're sponsoring, you know, mid-sized company. And, uh, and so they, there's like five instances where there were sponsors, wives, families. I mean, talking like 50 people in total travel booked to go to Honolulu. And now that their player is not going to be in the field, that's a double bogey. 
Yeah, that's uh, this. This all of this is so interesting with the business of golf now, kind of intersecting with the game itself. And and I'm glad you broke down Chris Kirk's story a little bit because you're right; he's a very good player, another one of those Georgia Bulldogs, and and uh, you know, solid player his whole career. He's 38 years old. That's his sixth win, and. Um, you know, but that alcoholism bout almost derailed him, and for him to come back from that is 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 a cool Chris story. Kurt was a Walker Cupper and one of the best. I mean, Chris Kurt now that since he's been sober and you've seen he won last year, he is he plays great in the wind, he hits straight, hits a flat ball, he can really play. There's really not a lot of weaknesses in the game, and now he's got a. And he was winning when he was not sober, and then you know it, it just really almost had meltdowns. Now he's back. I mean. He had the the pedigree of what you look to see a guy who's on Ryder Cups, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not so sure that we're not going to get a good four or five, six year run from him because he just he hits really good. He doesn't make mistakes. And they won bogey. I mean, when he's at peak golf, um, he's really, really good and he's hard to beat. And um, obviously, when your head's in a good place and you're not fighting those demons out there, it makes it a lot easier. And I'll tell you what else, Jordan Spieth looked great yeah. to me. Yeah, Swing he did. looked great. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to have a big year out of him because you look at Jordan Spieth, he loses by two. He made a double bogey in round one. He made a double bogey in round two. He made a double bogey in round three. And he made a double bogey in round four. Jeez. He made four double bogeys. How about that? If he just, if he just turns those into four bogeys, he wins. <laughs> he wins running away. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, yeah. He's... He made a double. He made a double. He made it just just crazy the way he plays golf, right? Yeah, I mean, just yeah. He can be all over the map. He, he, you know, he's he's not quite as flamboyant, but he's got a little Mickelson in him, you know. In terms of, you're right. He can be cruising along, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you know, he'll throw a he'll throw a seven up on the board. So, but he's uh, but I'm with you. I think he's primed to have a big year. All right, let, let's before we get to Tiger and 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 Nike and and where he may be headed. Um, Doug Bell is on with Wimp and Barry every, every Monday morning, too, and they were talking about the Liv situation. And Doug was saying that it's his feeling that Liv really believes the future of golf is team golf. And that's kind of where they're, they're staking their claim. I, I just don't see it, Casey. I just cannot. I'm not saying it won't be a factor, but I don't. I mean, I turn into golf to watch individuals try to win golf tournaments. I don't turn in to see team whatever versus team, whatever. This is not football. This is not basketball. This is not baseball. So I just don't know that I'm I'm buying that. I Now, I'm buying that Liv has put together a formidable roster. I'm buying that they are, as you said, they always would be a major player in the sport. But I'm still not buying this. People are going to tune in to watch guys play team golf. I don't. Even, I still don't even really understand how it works. Well, and I, and I will say this. I, I want to correct something. I, he only made one double bogey. It was okay. another bogey. I, my notes were off there. But, yeah, so what I think in there is going on, Gary, now why I think you've heard the reaction of what we talked about all season. It's sort of come full circle as, you know, I think maybe our opinions were right because we had some, I had some inside intel on it. You know, Rory's changed his tune, right? And um, that is – I don't think there's any – Thought there's going to be a lot of team golf. I think it eventually they think the future is team golf. I don't think that, I mean, there's going to be team golf when this gets worked out, but it's going to probably be in the fall season and there'll be some team golf, but they're all going to get back to playing 75%, 60% to 75% of their calendar. I'd say 75 is going to be what I've been told is individual golf 
fact of the best players playing in the most events, and it's probably going to be a global tour. That's the one thing. The only way they're going to get their sponsorships back up is something I really learned lately is going and taking this globally. Right now, with the purses going where they're, they've gone, and you know the, the economics doesn't make sense as how the tour has operated, going up on purses, playing this tiff, asking sponsors for more money, thinking the sponsors would give them more money. Well, now it's not going to work. And so now the, the PIF and LIV are going to get back involved in it. But when you really talk to sponsors and everyone, it's probably going to be a global tour. There's a lot of eyeballs that they want to bring in. They can do this the right way. But they're going to be more global events. And then you're going to have team events. And the tour players will probably be participating, whether it's two PGA Tour teams. There's about 10 things on the table. But I, I think this is the last year that they're not together now. I think the deal gets done. They're all playing back together again next year. Everyone's back. You're going to see them only four times this year at the majors. And I agree. I think there's going to be a team facet to it or aspect. It's going to be in the fall. Uh, and then maybe, maybe some during the year, but most, most think it's going to be like a team season and an individual season, which would make a lot of sense. Um, and, and, how they all get it all worked out. I just think now there's a clear path to probably getting it all worked out. Now that the DP world tour went first and allowed some of those players to play in regular events. And we saw the players have won six DP world tour events in a row. So when they open the, you know, they open it back up and they come to their senses, PGA tour players that were on live, get a chance to play. You heard Bubba Watson. They're all going to play. They're all going to want to play. And so there's going to be some blended, event schedule, probably 24 events uh, globally with, let's call it six of them being globally and 18 being in the States plus the four majors. So 22 big events in the, you know, maybe maybe the four majors are included. So 24 to 28 events, and they're going to have to play a little bit more. Most think the anchor number is 24 events, including the majors. And then maybe the team, maybe not. So, I, I mean – Viewership right now doesn't show that the team event really works outside the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup, but uh, they haven't really been on a real network either. That's true. That's true. Well stated. All right, um, let's get to Tiger Woods officially parting ways with Nike, something I thought I would never, ever see. Although Nike has, they don't have the same, you know, interest in golf that they once had, but still this was uh, an iconic partnership for 27 years. Um, what happened? Well, you know, 27 year partnership, $500 million in payments and, uh, you know, billion dollars of sales. Uh, you know, they, I think they're just got crossed up. I mean, top three, it's a top three, in terms of how lucrative it was or is the top three endorsement deal ever. I mean, Michael Jordan's is going to be number one. Um, and, and his is in there with, you know, LeBron James and him. And, uh, you know, I, I, his son has signed a deal with JT's company that JT has a piece of now Grayson, uh, as a, as an ambassador, you know, would it shock me that, Tiger goes and gets a piece of a company because Jordan got a piece of Nike and it's a different deal now, but he doesn't have any of ownership in the brand. And I think he knows he can go, you know, 
Nike couldn't make him a shoe. It all started with a shoe. They were going to let the shoe deal expire. Mm -hmm. Nike couldn't make him a shoe that was firm enough to support his issues. So they just, I mean, they make the most shoes in the world. They were losing in that regard. They weren't making money in golf. They're losing money everywhere in golf. Once they got out of the hardware, the hard goods piece of it, and they did a few years ago, um, you know, it, they, they used the swoosh to be in marketing all over their television sets on him. But ultimately, if it's dollars and cents, they're not making money. I've said it for years coming from golf, like, how are they making money in golf? But if you loop it all in together, they probably are making money. And then the last few years, it's just turned into them being out there selling, you know, lower margin products in golf mm. that – I mean, it's the, the business of golf, they're selling tournament stuff. They're selling uniforms to golf courses for their employees. They're not really selling stuff in golf shops. You don't go in any golf shop, really, that that sells Nike. That really sells it in abundance. So I think they weren't willing to pay him what he wanted. They weren't willing to make a shoe, which probably frustrated him. There were some economics there. Uh, TaylorMade is also getting into the apparel business um, again. And so he's got a tailor-made deal right now and all of his clubs. He, get, he gets one non-tailor-made club, which is his Scotty Cameron putter. And he's got a Bridgestone deal. He's based out of Atlanta on his golf ball. Both of those are long-term deals. Um, and so he's a free agent. And if he went to the right brand, i.e. a Grayson that's actually on the rise, and he gets a piece of the brand, wow, right? I mean, it's he makes a ton of money. They make a ton of money. It will be very interesting to see uh, where he goes, and, and we'll know soon, given yeah. he's going to play more events. Uh, my 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 buddy who owns House of Flemings, the belt company that you see JT and Phil and all mm-hmm. them wear, he benefited so much from that. When Tiger turned pro, Butch Harm is a partner in that company, and when Tiger turned pro, Nike didn't make a belt. So he wore one of my friend's belts for his first 10 major wins, eight major wins. First eight major wins, he wore a... Um, House of Fleming belt for he paid for, right? Because his teacher was Butch Harmon and um, he owned a part, part of that company. So that was a cool little side note with that Nike deal that eventually expired. And my friend was the one that was that helped design the Tiger Woods logo, which he owns the rights to. Tiger Woods owns the rights to that. The Nike doesn't get to keep that. That's right. The, the TW, it's, a, it's an iconic logo. Also, uh, there are some reports on some of these business, sports business sites that Tiger, his most likely landing spot might be the on-running company that Roger Federer went to and left Nike for. And I guess they are, you know. They're uh, thinking about making a golf shoe. Yeah, and they're, I guess they're the, on cloud, they're the on-cloud shoes. Is that right, uh, Casey? They do, and, and, and it's taken off in the tennis world with Federer. He and Federer are really tight. They don't, they're trying to get into golf because there has been a really big golf boom in terms of participation. So it's there for the taking. I mean, I could see where he, he did a grace. I would not be shocked if he did a Grayson and a on-cloud deal and he gets a piece of the action. And if he's going to play eight or 10 events and be a global ambassador going forward for both of those companies, it's worth a ton. Yeah, it would be. So, but anyway, huge news uh, on the sports business side of golf. And it seems like uh, uh, in this last couple of years with all that's going on, I don't know that this is good, Casey. It seems like I'm talking to you as much about stuff, you know, that is tied to golf, but not necessarily about the actual on-course play. I'm hoping now that we're kind of back with this January 
schedule that uh, once we get into the spring, I hope more of the focus is on. It's gonna, it, yeah, it, I, I agree with you. It's just gotten, there's so much garbage out there. There's so much movement. There's so much division. And at the same time, as, as we've said before, the craziest thing is this today, there's more participation in golf today than there's ever been. Yeah, We've seen a 36, we saw a drop of, you know, 18% going through the, the recession of 08. to now that, no, it's 36% higher now. You got top golf, you've got, you know, putt shacks, you got all types of things that are out there bringing people to the game. There was the golf boom during COVID. So the great news is there's like professional golf that has had some poor leadership and poor decisions going on. So now maybe it's come full circle as you see the players not being as having as, as much angst to now. Uh, I mean, you had a go- indoor golf league that, that got de- derailed by a storm, mm-hmm. which is wild. <laughs> sure and then, and then, uh, and then you have regular golf that's flourishing. And so I'm hoping all of this sort of, you know, spring gets here, it gets warmer. Uh, we should start to see these things work out. And as last year was our last year of the wackiest calendar now we're on to a regular calendar year and hopefully next year as i keep hearing is the the deal is going to get worked out uh for all these players to be playing a lot more together and then you know something to enjoy as alabama fans is uh you know the number one amateur in the world is on the university of alabama golf team nick dunlap and he actually played golf with president trump yesterday um former president trump yesterday so um, you know, you start winning big tournaments like that, I guess that exposure grows. So something to keep an eye on as this year starts up, probably, you know, uh, as good of a golfer that's ever been. And that there's a lot of good names that we we all can list that have been at Alabama playing golf. But um, if you're around, keep an eye on Nick Dunlap because he's very special talent. And probably be his last semester in college golf, I would say. You can almost guarantee that. Indeed. Indeed you can. Well, great stuff, Casey. Good to have you back on. And we're looking forward to a, a great uh, year in golf and uh, looking forward to visiting with you every week. Thanks, Gary. Have a great week. All right. Casey Smith on golf. It is 1052. We'll take a break and come back and wrap up this uh, edition of the Gary Harris Show right after this on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Becoming mostly cloudy today, a chance of rain this afternoon, the high 53. Very windy tonight with widespread rain. Winds could gust as high as 45 miles per hour, the low tonight 44. Tomorrow, windy, rain ending during the morning, the high 58. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 47 degrees in Tuscaloosa. A national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, 1055, winding it down here on this edition of the Gary Harris Show. I want to thank Rodney Orr and Casey Smith for joining the program. I want to thank you uh, folks for calling in and uh, I want to obviously thank Justin for, for his great work. Uh, coming up tomorrow, Drudy Armin, the Rocket Man from 97.7 ESPN Radio in Huntsville. Also, Derek Henry's future with the Tennessee Titans. I think most people feel like he's played his final game as a Tennessee Titan, but we'll get the uh, scoop from Kayla Anderson tomorrow morning on the Titans report. So we'll look forward to that on 
Tuesday. Again, Alabama basketball tomorrow night. It's a quick turnaround. They played at Vanderbilt on Saturday. They've got the Tuesday evening 6 o'clock game tomorrow at home against South Carolina. An opportunity to get off to a 2-0 start in the SEC. We'll have much more discussion on that coming up tomorrow for you as well. So that's going to wrap it up for today's show. This hour has been brought to you by Patterson Comer Attorneys at Law. And a reminder to catch me on TV tonight with the local sports on WVUA 23. And as I said, back here tomorrow for the Tuesday edition of the Gary Harris Show. For Justin Jones, I'm Gary Harris. Thanks for listening. Miller's Edge with the pastor Payne, Corey Miller, and Kristen Miller, and of course Noah Haynes as well, coming up at 11 a.m., followed by Big Noon Sports from noon until 2, and then Ryan Fowler will take you home with the game from 2 until 6. Have a great day, everybody. Talk to you again in the morning on the Gary Harris Show. Thank you for listening to The Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Houston Hydro Steam.